I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today. Live, I have an invitation for you today. The invitation is to slow down. I don't know where you're at, but a lot of times it's easy for us to to get tired. I'm tired. I didn't get enough sleep last night. But we can go on these, you know, binges of spiritual, emotional, physical busyness. And sometimes we just need someone to go, hey, it's okay. Slow down uh, and rest which is the title of the book that we're kind of talking around today. It's called simply Rest. It's written by Marianne Howard, uh, and she is a wonderful speaker, co-host of the D6 podcast, uh, blogger. And this is a a message that we running on it. Yeah, right. As Judy says in the chat, running on empty, which is the title of the little video today. We can do that. Uh, We're going to give you freedom and permission today to kind of step back and get out of that pattern of fatigue. So enjoy the conversation. Uh, and if you are watching live, as Judy is, feel free to jump in and voice your opinion or questions or comments. We always appreciate you guys who are watching us live. We appreciate the comments in the replay too. Marianne, great to have you on Life Today Live. Thank you so much for having me today. So I'm guessing because when you take the time to write, which does not just happen overnight. Books don't write themselves. There's a story behind the title of this. Is this something you've uh, wrestled with maybe? Yes, yes. So I am a mom of two, two teenage boys, <laughs> a golden go. doodle mom. <laughs> uh, I'm a pastor's wife. Uh, I'm an Uber mom, meaning I drive my kids all over the area that I live to get them where they need to get. Mm. Uh, I'm a friend, uh, I'm a disciple maker, uh, all the things. I do all the things. And uh, when I was approached about this project, I was I gasped and I took a couple of steps backward because I didn't write this book because I'm an expert in rest. I wrote this book because um, I'm not an expert in rest. <laughs> and so the Lord saw to it for me to sit in my guest bedroom and uh, sit still with him and quiet with him. and exposed some things in my own life that spoke to fatigue and burnout and neglect even. Mm-hmm. Now that's an interesting word because I get it. I mean, you know, we had, we had four kids in five and a half years. And so <laughs> there were not a lot of rest in there in those years. Uh, and my wife, God love her packing lunches, picking up stuff like, for, for school driving them around and and i'd have to chip in on that too because we would have to split up for sports and things like that but i think you're probably talking even deeper than just the demands physically was there more going on so so the way i define spiritual fatigue and the the subtitle of my book is overcoming spiritual fatigue it's that condition of the heart where a person feels spiritually dry and emotionally empty Mm -hmm. One of the things that that I realized as I was doing this project, there was a passage that I had never seen before, Song of Solomon 1 verse 6, and it says, they made me keeper of the vineyard, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Mm. And so often what happens, specifically in my part, life and case, is that I am so busy taking care of everybody else's vineyard, spiritually speaking, 
that I've neglected my own vineyard. And when I finally am still and alone with God and I take a look at my own vineyard, I realize there's overgrowth or the foxes have crept in whatever that might mean for you. And so um, that's that's kind of been the aha moment for me is that, you know, it's really easy for us to make sure everybody else is cared for spiritually, that we neglect our own soul and its connection to God. Yeah, and you know, that's very common with pastors, as you know, with your husband being a pastor and anyone associated with ministry. Uh, that's unfortunately a, a very common thing. Um, what, what, what made you kind of step back and go, okay, because... I think also growing up in the church, we can see that as being self-centered, you know, yeah. if, if I don't take care of everybody else, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, don't worry about me. It's not about me. You know, how is that, uh, actually an unhealthy thing? Yeah. I think in leadership narratives, um, whether you're parenting, working or managing, mm-hmm. whatever that might be mm-hmm. in any form or fashion, daily leading is draining. And the demand to give and leave and serve people can deplete us. And a depleted leader is not a healthy leader. And we need rest that restores. And there's only one place to get it, which I hope we dive into that later on in the conversation, because I think it's we're reaching for the wrong things to restore us. Some of the things that I identified in my research as I was writing through this is a couple of things. The burden of busyness, where we get uh, value and worth from all of our yeses. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but just like you said, the seduction of self-sufficiency where we allow, uh, where when we start to believe that we're the only person in the room that can do a job, it's a very dangerous place to be. Um, third, the prison of people pleasing where we thrive on the hamster wheel, for lack of a better word of pleasing other people. And then last but not least, it's the impact of identity. And where I go with that is that we're either going to get our identity vertically or we're going to shop for it horizontally, which speaks mm. to the other three. And so those are kind of, that's some of the research that, that I try to expose. So, and, and this is, this is not an accusation if you were, are, were one of these or struggle with this, but right. I do know, I do know people who, um, they're saying yes to everything is not as altruistic as it may seem. Uh, it, it, it is a form of, uh, wanting to be in the spotlight, you know, um, have you seen this or experienced it even? Oh, oh gosh. Yes. And I think that's why we're seeing such devastation in the church to be the way I know how to illustrate this the best. And I used it over the weekend when I was teaching is the giant Jenga game. I don't know if you've seen the giant Jenga game. Um, Here's the thing about Jenga. If you think about all your yeses and what you're saying yes to, your yeses will cost you. And when you're saying yes to one thing or one person, you're saying no to something or someone else. And kind of where I go into that is a lot of times. So when we pull from the Jenga illustration, when we pull from the bottom of that Jenga game and we build and we continue to say yes and yes and yes, because it's about us, the stability of the Jenga game, the stability of your life is going to get compromised. And I think that's what we're seeing all over the church, all over, even in businesses, we're seeing the collapse because we think that those yeses, um, we're, we're, we're almost, it's, we're addicted to the yes. Yeah. Um, and I had somebody 
very wise say to me in college, Marianne, you've got to learn to say no to the good things and yes to the God things. And there's a difference in those things, but we're so busy stacking our schedules that we've, we've stopped even considering God in the yeses. Well, I mean, when, when the, when the good things are seem to be, or, you know, would be labeled as God things, then it becomes even more difficult. I, I, I did that, you know, Absolutely. four kids at home, they're all out of the house now. So I have more time, but uh, you know, at my church, they lost their worship leader in the youth, and I was on the background singer circuit on the main stage, and they're like, could you maybe fill in until we find a new youth leader? It was like a year and a half later, <laughs> every weekend. And when you do that, because we had Saturday night services too, so, you know, you're talking, that's your weekend. And yeah. It, yeah. you, you, the perspective shift for me came when I realized what what you said is absolutely true because I felt good about saying yes to the church because that's a God thing, right? You know? Right, right. But I was saying no to time with my family. That's right. That's right. Which was the real God thing, which begs the question, how do we know the difference between a good thing and a God thing? Mm. Well, I dive deeply into intimacy with God. Uh, One of the things I wanted to kind of go back on is one of the big things issues um that that's really i think the core issue to uh spiritual fatigue and neglect is distraction Hmm. and um you know i I'm a statistic nerd and I like to do a lot of studying. I'm in marketing. So we study a lot of numbers. And do you know that people now lose concentration after eight seconds? (laughs) I'm sorry. What'd you say? Did you say (laughs) something? You know, and and beyond that, and it's crazy. And beyond that, the average person um, is distracted or interrupted every 40 seconds. And and here's the thing that gets me the the most, that convicts me the deepest. We tap, swipe, and click our device 2,617 times a day. Dear Lord. A day. And so what's happening in light of your question, and the reason why I'm throwing distraction into the conversation is it disturbs our intimacy with God. Mm. And you can't discern what God wants for you and how God wants to use you if you're distracted and divided. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you can't even discern your yeses because Mm -hmm. you're being pulled in a million different directions. And so a couple of things that I just wanna bring about is here's what distraction is doing to us. Number one, distraction makes intimacy with God impossible. And there is a big difference between intimacy and proximity. Mm. Proximity is near, intimacy is close and our God wants close, intimate, relational, not transactional, that he, he wants relationship, not transaction. And so d- distraction will make intimacy with God impossible. Uh, number two, distraction cultivates self-centeredness back to another point that you've already made mm-hmm. is that our distractions put us at the core of our living at the core of our kingdom. And we get very self-oriented. And I will tell you, I think one of the greatest tragedies any one of us could face is that we get so busy building our own personal kingdoms that we miss God's kingdom altogether. Mm-hmm. I think that's a dangerous place that we can get with distraction. Um, also, distraction feeds discontentment. And I'm sure you've seen this yourself. We glance around comparing, coveting, and competing. You know, living in Texas, we see farms, 
we see cattle grazing and they've got their heads stuck out of their pasture and they're eating the grass <laughs> in another pasture. And you're thinking, sure. what did that guy do? <laughs> that's <funny. laughs> That he wants that grass. But that's such a beautiful picture of what we do oftentimes. And in the, in the social media world has made it to where we're looking to the left and to the right. And we're glancing and we're comparing and we're coveting. And I'll just be honest with you, this contentment will always come from lingering on the affairs of man rather than lingering on the affairs of God. Mm. It, it will always do that to us. And you're not getting the whole story, FYI. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. That's, that's, that's interesting. That's funny. I have actually seen that with, with cattle and horses. And yeah, they can have hundreds of acres of green grass behind them, but they are, they're over there. And I, I have been, I have been that guy. I, I yeah. here, here's, here's a question based on something I've experienced, which is, you know, my wife, God bless her. I just, sometimes it's been 32 years now. And, and believe me, that's a credit to her. I so I look back and go, how did you put up with me sometimes? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean it, I mean, seriously, you know, cause anyway, hindsight's 2020, but, um, there, you know, she would call me out. Like you, you just need to say no. I mean, I know it's, you, you want to help and, and it's out of okay. good motive. She's giving me the benefit of the doubt, but you just, you just got to learn to say, don't overcommit. And I'm actually going through that right now. She, where she's like, careful, you know, don't, don't overcommit here. Cause she knows I tend to do that. And so there have been times where it's like, okay, fine. I'm not going to do that because I'm going to spend more time with you or more time with, the, and she's not demanding at all. Um, more time, you know, with, with the kids when they were in the house or um, what, whatever it is. And I resent it. It's mm. not until I get what you're saying. I get the yeah. truth of what you're saying yeah. that saying no, resting, taking yeah. care of my own vineyard actually becomes a, not just a priority, but a pleasure. Yes. How do we get beyond just the behavior modification and right. into the heart modification? Absolutely. Okay. So one of the things that I break down is I talk through four S's of, of spiritual disciplines and don't let that discipline word scare you. Um, but the goal is for us to grow intimate with Christ and to grow in that, grow in a hunger. Mm. Okay. The best way I know how, how to illustrate this is there is a big difference between a, a McDonald's Happy Meal and going to Saltgrass Steakhouse or your favorite steakhouse, yeah. wherever that may be in the you know world today, Road Texas Roadhouse, whatever it is. There's <laughs> a big difference in the two, right? When you go to the steakhouse, you're going to be there a minimum of, a, of an hour. You're going to enjoy it. The the butter is melting on the steak. You're you're just going to enjoy it. It's a feast. It's it's going to take time. A Happy Meal, you're going to run through there. You're going to eat it in 2.5 seconds, and and you can't thrive on Happy Meals. And my husband keeps a Happy Meal box in his office to remind him not to settle for spiritual Happy Meals, but to fight to feast. There's a difference. To fight to feast, that's what God wants from us. And so to answer your question, the way that we um, grow in our hunger and our intimacy with God is by practicing these four S's. They have been so helpful and transformative to stir rest in me. Um, and that is first thing is silence. 
practice silence. Ah, it's so hard. Uh, yeah. It's abstaining from speaking. And, you know, we live in a world that has made us very, very comfortable with noise and uncomfortable with silence. And so that's why it's very counterculture to get quiet. Mm -hmm. um, and so listening and, and it helps us to be quiet. And what silence does is it sensitizes us and it helps us focus on what matters. So silence is the first one. Second, I've got a hammock and a person sitting in the hammock as an illustration visual for that, but it's solitude. Don't let that word scare you. My extroverts listening, don't let that word scare you. It's not that you're separating in aloneness, but it's that you're going to be with God. You're, you're getting away from the pressure of people. Yeah. And the ministry leaders out there, those of you that operate in worlds where you are constantly around the weight of people, that's the gift God gives us. He says, come away with me. Step away from the pressure of people and, and let's let's practice solitude so that I can renew you and refill you with my presence, with my word, with with my truth. So solitude is vital. We've got to celebrate and practice the discipline of solitude, okay, to turn away from human interaction and external distractions. The third thing is stillness, which is so difficult for me to practice. <laughs> it's stop cease and desist. And I've had this aha moment in the scripture from Psalm 46, verse 10, you know, that is, you know, embroidered on tea towels and hanging everywhere and on t-shirts, be still and know that I am God. But when you read that in context, in totality, in the entire chapter that it's found, it's, it's a, it's a gentle, quiet rebuke to stop. So be still, mm. comma, and know that I'm God. But when you look at that in totality, it's be still so that you can know that I am God. Hmm. It, we, stillness has global impact. Stillness helps us to be aware of our limitedness and God's vastness. That's the only way I know how to describe what stillness can do. And stillness can change the world. It really can. Hmm. If we'll be still and know that he is God, that shapes our trajectory and changes our decision-making, changes our yeses, and it really gives power behind our nose. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the last one is the discipline of surrender. And you it's impossible to surrender apart from practicing the top three. We've got to practice silent solitude and stillness in order for us to surrender. And, and that's just to submit, trust, and release control. Very difficult to do. But those are four disciplines that I think cultivate a hunger and help you practice rest. How do you do that? Okay. When... when <laughs> you have so much responsibility. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there are times where you can't slow down. You know, you, you can't afford to take a day off or to even, sure. you know, an hour sometimes. How, how do you manage that when the responsibility, I don't mean just the things you're saying yes yeah. to. I mean, the responsibilities, you know, as a mother. Yeah. How do, how do you balance that? Because I know sometimes it, for some people it just feels... Yeah, that sounds great what she's saying, but there's no way I right. can do that. Right. Great question. Um, so some intentional things that I think will help. I know I'm hearing you say it's so hard to slow down. Um, I would challenge that in a very respectful way. I would challenge that. I think it's necessary for us to figure out a way to slow down. Because if you look at seven days a week and you look at how you're managing your time each and every moment of it, if you've got enough time to do your fantasy draft, 
and you've got enough time. Sorry, I'm not trying. I'm not. I'm Ouch. Oh, come thing. on. I took a whole weekend for mine. I actually go to Oklahoma. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. My husband, too. But if you've got enough time to, and you've got enough time to binge a series on Netflix, then you really do have more time than you realize. And so I would start with you, you, it in order for you to reorder your life here, there's going to have to be a moment where you slow down and you do without something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have a teenage driver and I'm getting in his car and you guys, he's got such a heavy foot. And so I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. I would start with the whoa, whoa, whoa. We've got to slow down because you can't discern much at the pace that you're living at. So slow it down. The next thing I would say is you've got to examine your habits. You've got to dis- you've got to minimize the chirps and dings in your life. Best way I know how to say it. Minimize the chirps and the dings in your life and think about what habits do I need to shift in order for me to start practicing these things? Mm-hmm. So that's only you and God can discern that. Mm-hmm. And then third, be attentive. Pay attention to what you pay attention to. What you think about, you care about, and what you care about is what you're going to chase. I want to just say that again. What you think about is what you care about. And what you care about is what you're going to chase. What are you chasing? Be attentive. Pay attention to what has your attention. That's a big question in my book over and over and over again. What has your attention? Pay attention to that and confess it. Identify what what has your attention. Third, practice listening. We've got to listen. We've got to, we've got to, God's word really does have to become a more significant portion of our information diet. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then last but not least is just be intentional. Be intentional. I have a target with a heart in the center of it. There's intentionality in our part. There's a choice that we make in what our days look like. And so uh, I will say that the rest that God speaks of that he so wants to give us, I don't think he always wants us to run to rest, I think he wants us to lead and live out of it. Hmm. You know, he established the Sabbath day and he declared it holy. He didn't declare declare an object or a person holy in scripture. He declared a day holy. Hmm. So that's set apart. And so he wants us to get filled and fueled and rested by him. And he wants us to live out of that rest instead of grinding, hustling and pulling our hair out. So exhausted that we're just at the end of, we've been doing it in, in our own strength all week. And then we die and and just kind of fall (laughs) over in that hole. Like I'm just so exhausted. I'm so, but I did this in my strength and not yours. And I'm running to rest instead of leading and living out of it. There's that's a shift in thinking. So here's a question because I think that this cuts to the heart of, of a lot of it for a lot of people. Uh, and I, I've seen this, um, in, in close up, not personally, but there is a tendency, um, to feel like I'm the only one that can do this. And, and if you look at it objectively, most people would probably agree with you. You know, I'm the only one that can and it's a situation that has to be tended to, whether it's with children or elderly parents, maybe your know, loved ones. Um, and there can be, uh, and again, anybody is hearing this, I, this is not a word of condemnation. This is asking you to really examine and take it, take it to God. If you're worn out, tired, and exhausted, but you feel like there's no way out of your situation. Yeah. We can, fall into a place where we we don't trust God to take care of a situation without us. In other words, 
I if if I if I don't do this, nobody will. If I don't tend, you know, take care of this situation, and it's wearing me out. Mm. How much of being able to rest is tied in with our ability to trust God? Mm, absolutely. Oh gosh. So you you really ask a great question here, and I think <laughs> what it exposes is it exposes our need for control. Mm. Um, you know, we had a wise friend tell us recently that when there's pressure, each one of us default into one of two decisions. We either escape, we go into neutral or control. Mm. We run into the burning building <laughs> without any tools, right? Mm. Um, so here's the thing about control. The way I like to see control is it's like you're trying to gather up all your laundry and carry it from the bedroom that's the farthest away from the laundry room. And you're trying to make sure not one sock or not one article of clothing is going to drop. And you, we all know how hard it is to do that. And that's really the myth of control. And so I think it's very arrogant. And I mean this in the most gentle sense, like this is a transparent, vulnerable place. And we have all been there. I have, I am there regularly. I have to confess to the Lord, but I also think we've got to take Jesus at his word. And he says very, very clearly in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. Mm -hmm. And nothing means nothing, not some things, not church things, not that role. We think we're indispensable. And I just think we need to, we need to, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm -hmm. And we need to back up and remember any gifting that we have is, is, from, from creator God. And, um, just remember that, that apart from me, we can't, apart from Jesus, we can do absolutely nothing. And here's the thing, just to be really honest with you, if we would rest our, sink our hearts deep into that, we wouldn't feel the pressure that we're bearing. That's making us so exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. When, when Christ is the one that's bearing it, when we're, when we're living out that tailor-made yoke, that, that he's designed for us to live out, that he wants to carry at Matthew 11, the, the pressure's off because he's carrying it. He's doing it. Any success you have isn't because you've done it. It's because he's done it through you. You know, I, I keep thinking of this space in my own season right now. I'm, I'm traveling and I'm speaking and I'm on stages and there's all that's tied into that. And, you know, there's, God's just given me a new word about what that needs to look like for me. And I want to be a faithful nobody. <laughs> I want to be a faithful nobody, somebody who's faithful with God's word, but I could care less if you know who I am, <laughs> because here's the thing. He's the one that's got to do it. He's the one that's going to do it and he deserves the glory for it. And so there's just a lot of, pre you don't, you're not carrying around insecurity and comparison and the weight of if this fails, I fail because he's the one doing it, you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, you know, a couple of things I used to take that scripture apart from me without me, you can do nothing, you know? Apart from you, you can, do, we, you can do nothing. I always took it as a kind of a, well, I mean, you really don't have any chance of success. And I don't, I think it's like, no, it's like telling your kids, um, look, you're not going to be able to swim across the lake without floaties. <laughs> you know, right. it's, it's like, right. it's almost like a, like a war, like it's, it's like, I want you to succeed and, yeah. but you got to do it with me because on your own, you're going to drown, you know? Yes. And, and yes. The, the burden you know, his burden being light. I think that's a, that's a real good indicator. And you're, we need to listen to our bodies when they tell us that's if, right. if you are feeling the burden and it's a burden, then there, I think I just, I know it's easy to say and hard to do a lot of times, but I think it's an indicator that you're carrying, you're not carrying Christ's burden because his is light. Right. 
if the burden is overwhelming, I think it's it's a good time to take a step back, listen to Mm -hmm. some of the things that you've said, and and maybe re-examine some things. And I think the most powerful telltale sign in Scripture is the fact that Jesus, Son of God, fully human, fully divine, took time to rest. Yes, he did. He modeled it well. He modeled it so well. I I would just love to encourage the audience with one passage that I think really is the answer to this. And it's Psalm 73, verse 25 and 26. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God Hmm. is the strength of my heart and portion forever. To the left of the but God, your heart and your flesh is failing. That's burnout and spiritual fatigue. I wave the white flag. I can't do it. My heart and my flesh, they're letting me down but God. Mm. So the right of the, but God is purpose and hope. He is my strength and my portion, my everything forever. And so I just would encourage our listeners to think through that. And if you are feeling the weight of your life, the weight of your job, parenting, whatever it is that's weighing you down, I would just encourage you um, to just declare your need for God. Um, and that's where we get, he's the creator of rest and he's the giver of rest. Yeah. You nap, it may give you something great. You know, you feel like alive in your body because you've gotten a nap or binging on Netflix. I understand we've got to have downtime and, you know, whatever it is that, you know, sitting in your recliner and watching football all day, we need those practices. But I will tell you, you're not going to get soul rest, restorative rest apart from going to God. Yeah. He's the creator and giver of it. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, when if you're feeling challenged by this conversation, here's here, here's the great indicator. Does it make you want to take this to God and say, God, I'm, I'm, I have no rest. I am fatigued. Uh, or does it make you want to pull back and not take it to him? If if it makes you want to pull back, then it's not right. And if you'll take that step and and really take it, take all, all your stuff, your burdens, he says, you know, bring me, bring me your burdens. Put them on me. That's an invitation. It's not a, it's not a reprimand. It's he's saying, he's like yelling to you. I, I don't want you to live in this state of unrest and fatigue that you're feeling. And so let this be, you made it this far in the conversation, this interview, (laughs) let, let this be your invitation to, to cast your cares on him. And, and I know it's hard. It's so much easier said than done, but if you can practice that, you will find that beautiful rest that, that Marianne is talking about. Mary, I'm going to leave you the last word, but I want to show people a couple of things real quick. This is your website, marianne-howard.com, if you want to catch up with her. Uh, and then the book that we've been talking about, if you want to, if you need to, you can listen to this interview as many times as you want, but if you need to get the book and you sit, sit down with it, it's called Rest, uh, and you can pick it up wherever you get books. But most importantly, if, if this is, if right now you're kind of mad or struggling or whatever, this God probably just put this video in front of you, this conversation in front of you to maybe get your attention a little bit. And it's because he, it's because he's a good God. It's because he cares. Right. It's because he's got, as the old song said, he's got the whole world in his hands. Why are you wearing yourself out with it? Uh, so, let this be a turning point if you are one of those that is just running on empty. Last yeah. thing from you, Marianne, anything you want to mention or my, anything I may yeah. have forgotten? Yeah. Remember this. 
Jeremiah 31, 25, for I will satisfy the weary soul and every languishing soul I will replenish. That's his promise to us today. And uh, be a sheep. Those of you that are leading and going and doing, be a sheep. Go out to pasture with your God, with your shepherd, and let him renew you. And thank you so much for the time today. Absolutely. I do appreciate you sharing this. Thank you so much. Somebody really needs to hear this. (laughs) And by the way, if you know someone that is struggling with this, you can hit that share button and say, hey, look, um, this is meant as encouragement. I know you're worn out, but there's rest available for you. And, and it's good. So appreciate you guys being there. Uh, Judy, hope you get some rest. Uh, and uh, come back. We've got more for you here on Life Today. Loin and abundant brings of grace.